How can this be? What's cracking, y'all? Good to be back with all you fine, fine ladles and gentle spoons who have decided to tune in and listen to me bitch a little bit about my about my failed basketball coaching career. Not for lack of trying. You know, I really poured my heart and soul, my blood, sweat, and tears, a lot of elbow grease. Yeah, any other sort of euphemism you can think of uh, for hard work. Tried that. Didn't pay off. Here I am. So, um, back to discuss with you year two for me at Red Island College. So, uh, year one, you heard in the last episode, took me a little bit between posting episode one and episode two. Wanted to make sure I got everything right and cleaned up uh, the whole nine. So, here I am to regale you with some more tales of incredible misfortune and bad luck for your boy here, the protagonist in this story. So, yeah, without further ado, I'll, I'll kind of get right into it and, and play what we, uh, my, my story from, from year two. But, um, you know, thanks for listening. Follow along on Instagram and Twitter, at HCTBpod. My personal accounts, at JLang20. And make sure you uh, subscribe, download, rate, review, and share wherever you get your podcasts. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, something else exotic that I may not have listed or even heard of, really. But um, yeah, no, thanks for, uh, thanks for tuning in. Appreciate it a lot. And we'll, uh, we'll get right into year two. All right, we'll see you later in the week with, uh, with with part three when I get into my post years. All right, peace, dog. My, my second year there was, uh, I, I would say I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy, but I'm a big grudge guy, so I would wish it on my worst enemy. It was awful. We were 6-21. and 21. We started the year, we beat Salem State big. We won by like 20-something points, like. We looked good. We were firing on all cylinders. We proceeded to lose the next 11 games before we won our next game. We lost 11 straight games. 11. Games that we could have won, too. Just lost them. Bad coaching decisions. And and that, that'll get blamed on me, and that's fine, you know. You didn't bring in good enough players. Yada, yada, yada stinks. This guy's not very good. We need to build our offense around yada, yada. Like, 
just constantly listening to it. We <laughs> we had our first two scrimmages. We scrimmaged Dean College. And the head coach at Dean at the time, our new other assistant dad, good guy, long time basketball coach. Long time. Coached at Mount Ida for a million years. Coached at Massasoit for a million years. Coached at Dean for like, I don't know, seven years, I think. Six, seven years. And Dean came down to play us. And we're going through an entire practice. He's on the floor. My boss is on the floor barking at our team, making them run. We're doing like a, a full practice. Like he's screaming and yelling. Dean comes in. Rico goes over and tries to say, like, what do you want, Rico? I'm coaching my team. Can't you see that? Maybe you should go work with your own team. So Rico goes, all right, fuck this guy. I was going to talk to him about what he wanted to run and what I wanted to run so we could get something out of this. But I'm just going to sit in a zone for the entirety of the scrimmage. Now, it's typically bad practice to run in a zone in a scrimmage because it doesn't matter. You're trying to get better and see how your shit works against somebody else rather than yourself in practice. And... Dean ran a zone against us the entire time. And my, my boss was just flipping out. And, and afterwards proceeds to tell our other assistant that his dad is a clown and always thought he was a clown and, and a bad basketball coach and whatever. And then the next week, we scrimmaged Nichols. And... I talked to the Nichols coach, who's now the Rick coach, ironically. And we discussed exactly what each of us were going to run. And I, this is something that the head coach should be doing, mind you. But he was like, I don't want to talk to the coach from Nichols. You talk to him, figure out what they're going to be doing, and let me know so we can prepare. So I, I talked to I talked to the coach from Nichols. He told me exactly what they wanted to do. Said, yeah, you know, we're trying to work on a little one through one stuff, so we might do a couple possessions of that at you know at the end of the half or something like that. I was like, oh, okay, all right, yeah, that's fine. So told him that. Yeah, they're gonna run probably a couple possessions of, of one through one at the end of the half. Which is exactly what happens. Shocker, right? You think uh, when you discuss with somebody what they're going to be running, and they tell you they might run it, right? So you relay it up the chain. And guess what? They ran it. And I don't know if I just, it probably was just I didn't get listened to. Which wouldn't surprise me, in the very least. Um, and two possessions 
That's it. Just two. Not 20. Not 10. Not five. Two. One, two. Count it on my, my pointer finger and my middle finger. Right there. Two. He turns around and looks at us on the bench and says, I thought Dean was only going to run a few possessions a zone. And Nichols wasn't supposed to be running any zone stuff. You were lied to by both head coaches. Next year, I am going to call both coaches in scrimmages personally and discuss with them what we are going to be running. Mind you, I 100% told them exactly what they were going to be running. This motherfucker didn't, didn't read a scat and a pat. I fucking gave him, evidently. And, you know, Rico's was out of spite. I would have done the same fucking thing. That's a terrific move if the other guy that you're scrimmaging against is going to be a complete asshole to you. It's a fucking scrimmage. You're not supposed to be fucking motherfucking your assistants on the bench in a goddamn scrimmage. Like, it fucking matters. And this guy constantly billed himself as the best coach in New England. I am going to get to the NCAA tournament. We are going to go to Salem, Virginia, to the Division Three Final Four. And then I am going to get a job in the NE10. Which, let me backtrack here. So... After year one, the assumption job opened up in scenic, world-renowned vacation destination, Worcester, Massachusetts, where popes and dignitaries have gone for many moons to see the sights and take in the sounds of Central Mass. And comes down in my office and says to me, the assumption job is open. I need you to edit my resume and write my cover letter so that I can submit it for the position. Okay. Didn't know it was my responsibility as an assistant to write a cover letter and edit my boss's resume so that he could get a job. And the cover letter he gave to me was just all over the goddamn place. I don't know how the hell he got this job in, in the first place that he had, you know? Talk about failing upwards into a, into a job, you know? So he had me fill this out and then chastised me when I took things out from his original cover letter and told, and he was like, I don't understand. I want them to know this stuff. I'm like, it's not relevant to a cover letter. Like I've done this recently. Like I had to, I had to fucking figure out how to write a cover letter multiple times in college at Plymouth, whatever. Just the shit that he was leaving in there was not relevant in the slightest to a job, coaching, 
college basketball players. And it's just one of those things. It's, it's probably the point where I found it started to go way downhill for me. And I like to bring up a favorite term of mine, right? It's, it's a business term. It's called the Peter Principle. Which, if you're unfamiliar with the Peter Principle, I will read you the definition. The Peter Principle is a concept in management developed by Lawrence J. Peter, which observes that people in a hierarchy tend to rise to their maximum level of incompetence, which means employees are promoted based on their success in previous jobs until they reach a level at which they are no longer competent as skills in one job do not necessarily translate to another. And this guy managed to turn a prep school job into a Division I assistance job, which he was bad at, into a Division Three head job, which he was not qualified for. And an example of somebody that you're probably familiar with, everybody's got a dick boss that is probably inept and has no idea what they're doing because of this exact thing. But unless, in case you don't have one, a very prominent example from a very popular TV show would be Michael Scott from The Office. Michael Scott is a prime example of the Peter Principle. So, if you haven't watched The Office, I don't know what the fuck you've been up to. Better part of the last two decades. I mean, shit, you fucking flip on the TV, it's going to be on one of several different channels. But, I digress. So, this guy, prime example of the Peter Principle, has me write this, you know. Like I said, we have all freshmen and a couple of sophomores couple juniors, one senior, and our practices are excruciatingly long, excruciatingly, like, I, I shit you not, I shit you not, we practiced under three hours that year, I could probably count them on one hand. For reference, when I was at Post, I don't think my boss, Mark, ever kept the guys, not even a minute, a second longer than two hours. He was like, we're going to get in there, we're going to go hard as shit for 90 minutes to two hours, and we're going to get them out of there. Because at a certain point, the retention and what they're picking up, the end does not justify the means. Which makes sense, because like you're you're taxing these kids on a daily basis. From a division two, you can work out starting in in September. From September to you know March, you can do a couple workouts a week. September up till October fifteenth, and then you're practicing 
or playing games two hours a day, six days a week with one off day built in from October 15th till whenever your last game of the season is, whether it's February, if you stink, or if you make it to the conference tournament and you lose in March, whatever. But like, there's a, there's a point you reach diminishing returns. And when you're in the gym for three hours every day and all the guys hate you, I mean, MJ said it on, on a on the podcast. He was on with me a couple weeks ago. Like, they started looking at this guy and just tuned him out and said, all right, we're going to try to win in spite of this fucking asshole. Like, they all banded together, knew their lives were going to be miserable. Myself included, our other assistant included. And the zenith of practice time. It was probably one of my worst days at, at Rick. Come with me. I'm going to be your Cheshire cat, Alice. Let's go down the rabbit hole into Wonderland together. So, it's a Sunday right around Halloween, right? And the Patriots are playing the Dolphins. I bet I could go and, and look up the date. But it was around Halloween. The Pats are playing the Dolphins on a Sunday, whatever. We're the only team practicing that day. Okay, the women are off. Volleyball's done or didn't practice on Sundays. I forget which. But we're the only, we're the only show in town at the Murray Center. And practice that day started at 8 a.m. sharp. So his whole thing was, I want the guys on the floor 15 minutes before the start of practice getting up game shots. We are putting them through workouts 15 minutes before practice. Okay? So guys get up on the floor or whatever. So everybody's on the floor at, at quarter of eight, right? Eight o'clock hits. Practice starts. Per usual, with a long-winded diatribe about God knows what. And... Let me get into things. Mind you, he said to Joe and I before practice, I want to get in and out of here today. I want to be, I need to be home by one so I can watch the Pats. I want to watch the Pats game. Okay. That's fine. Like, usually we're out of here by like 11. He goes, and I want to lift after. Like, all right. So maybe noon. I don't know. So, 11 rolls around. We're still on the floor. Okay. Three hours. Noon comes and goes. Still going. One o'clock. Still going. We're on hour five of practice now. Two o'clock. Hits. A couple minutes passed calls it. I think we had a great practice today, yada, yada, yada. So, meanwhile, I, I checked out four hours ago <laughs> at this point, uh, and so did most of the guys, if not sooner. And he kept practice going and going 
and going like the motherfucking Energizer Bunny. And we all had places to be. Hands to shake, babies to kiss, shit to do. And I'm over there. Finally, I'm disgusted. I'm I'm just disgusted towards the end of practice. And he's he's looking down the from the one end of the gym at me. Mind you, we have a recruit's parents here that day. Recruit's parents. Six hours watch practice. They sent their kid to play hoops there. Who in their right fucking mind would do that? My God. So he starts yelling at me, like, shaking. I'm, I'm standing there shaking my head, arms crossed, like, throwing my hands up in the air. I see you over there, Coach Lang. I see you over there, Coach Lang. Oh, don't think I don't see you. Don't think I don't see you. So noon, one, two, six hours of practice. We've been on the fucking floor for six hours. Brings him into the center. All right, we're going to go get a swell on. Got to go get a swell on. Going to get a lift in. Go on down to the, the weight room. Get a swell on. His rationale immediately afterwards. All right. Says, today was the first day I really thought the guys were picking up what I was teaching them. Meanwhile, Joe and I are looking at each other like, what the fuck is he talking about? Like, this, this dude is completely oblivious to the fact that he blew the whistle like every five seconds. None of the guys broke a sweat because we didn't go up and down at all. Blew the whistle every five seconds to talk for three minutes. Then started again. Blew the whistle. It was a vicious cycle. Over and over and over again. He didn't see any of these guys just fucking staring at the goddamn ceiling when he was on these long-winded, who knows what the fuck he's talking about, soliloquies like he's fucking Hamlet fucking Bill Shakespeare over here writing sonnets for the fucking team to read and then he sends him down to lift our trainer was pissed rightfully so he had plans that afternoon to take his two young children trick-or-treating at the Roger Williams Zoo in Providence. And missed that. Wife had to take him. His wife had to take him on his own. So he was pissed. I don't blame him. Seriously. I would have been pissed too. Being a dad now, I would 100% be pissed if that happened to me. So he goes downstairs with all of his shit after he packs up the gym and sees just this huddled mass of very tired Rick basketball players waiting outside the weight room. He goes, what are you guys doing here? Coach told us to come down and, you know, lift. And he dropped his bag. He goes, nope, not doing that. Goes upstairs and confronts him. He goes, I'm not opening up the weight room. We're not doing this. I'm going home. We've been here for too long. This is unacceptable. I'm giving the guys ice and I'm leaving. So they get into a, a battle of, of words, Right? And 100%, our athletic trainer is correct. Should not be practicing. First of all, it's an NCAA violation to be on the floor that long in one day. Violation. And, like, what the fuck are we supposed to do about it? The assistants. That motherfucker doesn't listen to us. You kidding me? He wants yes men. He wanted... 
he wanted to hear exactly what he wanted to hear and nothing different. So he, he proceeds to call him names to us, you know, very colorful language. Um, not even to us, to our, our other assistant. We go down in the locker room. He starts screaming at me, telling me I'm worthless. I'm an administrator. The only thing I'm good for is being an administrator. I'm not a basketball coach. He regrets ever hiring me. He should fire me right there on the spot. Called me a four-letter word. Begins with the letter C. Rhymes with bunt. Handful of times. In front of our other assistant. Called him on the way home. Asked him if he thought I should fire. He should fire me. The whole nine. That day I went to do my, my shopping. I went to the village grocer. To get some rations. And I stood there staring at the guy cutting up a pound of Stop and Shop brand American cheese and roast beef for me. And I said to myself, this guy getting me this deli meat is making more money than I am. And probably has way less stress than I do. And his boss probably doesn't call him names either. And that's when I decided, fuck it. He fires me, he fires me. I don't give a shit anymore. Whatever. He's an asshole and I'm not. So I, I turned into a fucking cowboy the rest of the year. And I just fucking, I went about my business and I fucking did exactly what I was supposed to do. Not a, not a pinch more. And he was a dick to me. Stopped talking to me regularly. Talked shit about me to our other assistant regularly. A rather significant amount. You know, I'd hear about it all the time. Whatever. And there, there were a couple other things that, that weren't in my job description that he wanted me to do. He wanted me to... to do like player schoolwork and shit. I was like, no, I'm not fucking doing that. You don't pay me enough fucking money to do that. Plus, I'm not getting fucking pinched and show caused to do that. For those of you unfamiliar, a show cause is when the NCAA bans you from working at a member institution as a basketball coach. So I wasn't sacrificing my career to help this fucking guy who would have traded me for a day off be successful. And uh, among the other things in the job description, I have two stories of moving things for him. So it was like the, the August before uh, my second year there. And he, he convinces me and our other assistant to help him move from a, to a house he just bought on the other side of, of, the, of the city he lived in. And... We show up there thinking, okay, like it's going to be like a, a fleet of us. There's four of us. There's him, me and our other assistant, and one of the dudes that was playing on the team at the time. He goes, I'll take Carrie afterwards. No problem. Whatever. We show up there. He had packed nothing. Absolutely nothing. So we had to pack his entire house up into boxes, 
His family was nowhere to be found to help to do this shit. We had to pack all this shit up, move it into a U-Haul, then take that U-Haul across the city to his new house, take it out, move it into whatever rooms he wanted, and he kept changing his mind, where, yada, yada, yada. So we're, we're doing this. I drove up from, I was in Newport the night before, and I drove up from there early, early, early. And we were doing this for a solid 10 hours. And I thought, you know, I got you taken care of. He might give us a little bit of money. <laughs> Boy, was I naive. Let me tell you, when he brought out the leftover half-eaten chicken Alfredo from Shaw's, day-old chocolate chip cookies from Shaw's, and a Gatorade for us and said, see, I take care of you. I take care of you. I, I would have eaten better if I fucking went and paid for something on my own. I had to like share a, a, a half a fucking family portion of food and one cookie. I got, I, we got like one cookie and one Gatorade and a bottle of water a piece. To, to move this guy's entire life thanklessly for 10 fucking hours. And that was the downfall of losing this guy that, that was going to come back and play for the team. See ya. He was like, fuck this. Like, that's that's how low he thinks of us. He can just feed us this fucking reheated bullshit and, and call it good enough. No. Fuck that. And the other one, uh, uh, similar type of thing, somehow got hooked up with this free, what felt like a fucking five, six, seven hundred pound fucking piano that we had to move from some house, just because these people didn't want to move it, some house in, I don't even know what town, but to his house, because he wanted one of his daughters to learn how to play it. I don't know if she ever did or not. Never mention it again. And... The entire way back, he's bragging to us about, you guys saved me so much money. You know how much money you saved me? If I had had to hire movers to move this piano, it would have cost me $800. $800 you guys saved me. Eight hundred. Meanwhile, he wasn't paying us anything to do this. And he's bragging about how much money we saved him by doing it for him. I said, so... Maybe buy us lunch for helping you move this piano? He goes, who do you think you are? The audacity to ask me to buy you lunch. What happened to helping somebody out out of the goodness of their heart? Out of the goodness of their heart, Coach Lang. What happened to just helping out because you wanted to help out? Helping a friend out. I, I was like... Well, uh, apparently we just saved you fucking $800, so I think it's fair that, that you buy us lunch. He was like, all right, I'll take you to Wendy's. And we, I was like, no, we're not going to Wendy's. I don't want Wendy's. He's like, fine. So he takes us to this 
shithole Chinese buffet spent like, I don't know, 35 bucks total for the three of us. And, and the food stunk. It was gross. There was like fruit flies everywhere, like the whole nine. It was fucking disgusting. So then we had practice at, at 4 o'clock or 4.30, whatever, the first practice slot. And multiple times during this practice, he mentions to the team, can you believe Coach Lang made me buy him and Coach Cabral lunch for moving a piano today? Just unbelievable that he would ask and expect that. What, like, can you believe that guy? Like, just doesn't have anything to do with basketball. I'm standing there like, what the fuck? Like, making me look like an asshole in front of these guys are trying to. And, the, like, all these guys are looking at me. They're like, yeah, I would have fucking made him buy me lunch too. You fucking kidding me? Absolutely. Anyway. So, move this goddamn piano. Get motherfucked for asking about lunch. I, I don't I don't know I, I mean some other things that that happened that year uh, it, we were playing UMass Boston they had this really good player uh, named Michael Campbell who had been out he was hurt he somehow d- developed this thought that if we called the head coach from UMass Boston and asked him if he was going to play against us he would tell us. So he goes, Joe, I want you to call Jay Harris at UMass Boston and ask him if Michael Campbell is going to be playing against us on Saturday. We're sitting there and we're like, oh, oh, let's see, what, why, why, why would Jay tell us that? He goes, if somebody called me and asked me if one of our guys were playing, I would tell them. And I was like, no, you wouldn't. No, you absolutely would not. He's like, don't tell me what I would say. I was like, no, I, I just, I fucking know. Like, you threatened to fire me if, if one of our, our tapes got out from the fucking Marymount tournament the year before. Spoiler alert, it got out. <laughs> I fucking traded it so we could get other films. Whatever. Uh, and then you know we we play. UMass Boston again, and by this time, you know, we've switched to going full zone. And he goes, Joe, I want you to find out everything they run against zone sets. All right. So Joe goes through every film against every team they played to find everything they ran against the zone. Draws it up, has Everything written down. Calls. Sets. Whatever you want to call them. He hands them to him. He goes, this isn't what they're going to run against us. Like, what, 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 do you, what do you mean? He goes, I'm going to do your job for you, Joe. This is what you should have been doing. I am going to call Joe Gallo at Robert Morris, who's a close personal friend of, of mine. And I'm going to ask him, the Long Island's zone sets. Jay coached for Jack Perry for a long time. He's going to run exactly what Long Island runs against a zone. 
So we get the sets, and Joe's looking at them and, and comparing them with the stuff that he watched. He goes, they don't run any of this shit. He's looking at me like bamboozled. Like, they don't run any of this stuff. Because what, what am I going to do? I'm like, I don't know. Go fucking tell him. So he goes and tells me, he goes, I don't care, Joe. We're going to have them prepared for this stuff against a zone. These Long Island sets are what we are going to prepare them for. So I put them on paper and put them in the, the scouting report packet. Notwithstanding, we would give our guys like fucking 30-page scouting reports. It was a complete waste of paper and time because none of them ever fucking looked at it, you know? And so we, we, we run... In practice, the scout team runs the shit that LIU runs against the zone. So we're all prepared for all this shit from LIU. Meanwhile, LIU is a Division I school. We're not fucking playing LIU, right? We go there and, just like we thought, ran none of this shit that LIU ran. The guys are looking at at us like, what the fuck? We didn't work on any of this stuff. Our, our captains were like, yo, Coach Lang, what, what are we doing? We haven't prepared for any of this stuff. Like, I don't know. Like this is, what, this is what we were told to put in this fucking packet. So we end up losing at the buzzer on a full court layup. And... One of the guys knocked a chair on the floor. One of the trainers from UMass Boston started yelling at me to pick up the chair. So I got in a screaming match with him after the game. That was fun. And then he, you know, my, my boss, old fuckface Jones there, proceeds to go in the locker room and blame the guys for not being prepared enough in the zone against the stuff that UMass Boston was going to run. Just your classic, I want all the credit if we win but none of the blame if we lose guys, you know? One of those guys, just your classic peach of a fucking douche. And I would say, uh, I'll put a bow on this here pretty pretty quick. Um, so the end of a bizarre season, like we're 5-20 we're and 20 going into the playoffs. We're up at Southern Maine. He kicks our starting point guard off pre-game. Pre-game. Mind you, pre-game. Like, not the day before. Not before the bus left. Pre-game. Inexplicably, we win this game and go to the conference semifinals. Where... We meet the Owls of Keene State again. Primed to end our season. Which is what happened. They were much better than us. We finished the year 6-21. and 21. That was pretty much it <laughs> for that. And, you know, our, 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 see, our, our recruit, spring recruiting season was, was bad. He... He called multiple recruits we had on campus fat to their face and jiggled their stomachs, telling them, oh, you must like cheeseburgers. Don't worry. I'm going to take care of this for you. I'll take care of this for you with 2020s. Oh, yeah, like rubbing their stomachs, like really uncomfortable stuff. 
this spoiler alert, none of these kids came to fucking came to Rick. What one kid came with his parents and he spent the entire time watching golf on his computer at full full volume while his, the kid's parents and the kid were in the office asking him questions about the school and the program and, and what have you and just it was a it was a, just a comedy of 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 errors and I was like all right I gotta get the fuck out of here by any means necessary and this fucking guy when I first took the job said to me if you work for me for three to five years, I'm going to get you where you want to go. <laughs> I was like, fuck. Ah, yeah. You're fucking nuts if you think I'm going to be fucking working for you for five years. Or even three fucking years at that matter. And like, it was to the point where like, I didn't want to see him if I could help it. He like invited me to Mohegan Sun to, to watch fucking South Carolina play, like play a game or practice or some bullshit. I just didn't fucking want to go. I didn't want to fucking go to the game. And I I had a, a panic attack in the fucking parking lot of a, of a florist in Foster, Rhode Island on the way there. And I'm like, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to go recruiting instead. So I text him. I'm like, Hey, think it's more important for me to go up and see this kid. Oh, whatever. Suit yourself. You're missing out per usual coach Lang. So I'm like, all right, well, I'm trying to make the fucking program better. Well, you're just fucking drinking and not doing anything. And I went up to West Roxbury High School to watch West Roxbury play Brighton. The game was a dud. But I did get a quite a bit of swiping in there on, on the old Bumble machine, including swiping right on my wife. And here we are with a child now. So... And and here's kind of how how it ended, you know. I, like I said earlier, I was I was close with uh, T.J. Sorrentine, and you know he was close with Mark Kuntz, my my boss at at Post. He was like, "Hey, Kuntzy just got the Post job, you know, I, I can help you get on staff there." Because he knew I was fucking miserable. He knew the stories behind this fucking buffoon that I was working for, and. He goes, I can, I can help you get on, get on with, with Coons. I was like, oh, perfect. Yeah, great. All right. So I'm like trying to take, do anything I can to take a fucking lifeline to get on his staff. He offers me the job. Second assistant took a pay cut to go there and, and stipend pay. Uh, not great, but I needed to get out of there. I accepted the job. I was like, fuck, if I want to stay in hoops, like this is my only shot to get out because it's fucking August. No other jobs are open. Otherwise, I'm going to be fucking selling insurance. So I go to uh, Paw Sox game that night with uh, with Juice, our, our other assistant there, who had left to go back to the school that he came from because he also was miserable. Because, um, you know, I don't know if anything the previous couple hours I've been talking on here gave it away, but the guy we worked for was a, a nightmare and a narcissist, a buffoon, a douche, pretty much the worst person I've ever met. So I'm like, all right, well, I guess I got to tell him I'm leaving. No better time than the present. I'll call him from this Paw Sox game. And so I called him. Coach Lang, how are you? Great, coach. Just wanted to let you know, I uh, interviewed for and accepted a position um, at Post University. What? 
Yeah, I, I took a job at, at Division II uh, post-university with, uh, with Mark Coons. What, when, 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 when did this happen? Uh, I don't know, over the last several weeks. Okay, well, good luck to you. Thanks. Have a good one. Hung up. Boom. Done. Audi 5. See you later. Go fuck yourself. So, I, I moved down to Waterbury in short order and began my tenure at, at post, at, which was a, a significantly better experience. I felt like a, I felt like a, a dog from an SPCA that just got rescued by a, by a loving family. Going from Rick to post, you know, it was a completely different atmosphere, both in the athletic department and in the basketball program. So, um, you know, I'll save those tales for another day, but you know, yeah, that's, that, that about puts a bow on it. Um, this is, you know, the ballad of Justin Lang part two, uh, subtitle, the nightmare that was the Rick years for me. So yeah, that's about it. Uh, but thanks for tuning in. Um, you know, there'll be a, a third part of these. I'll go over my, uh, my years at post and, and sub- subsequent departure from coaching. And, you know, then we're kind of caught up to, to present day almost, you know. So, um, now like I said, thanks for listening. Uh, thanks for tuning in. I know this one was a little bit longer than the last one, but I had a lot more to say than I did the last one. And I, I got rolling. I figured I'd just fucking, just fucking keep it going, baby. Keep rocking and rolling. Once this fucking stone gets rolling downhill, there ain't no stopping it, so, um, but yeah, fo- follow on, uh, on Twitter and Instagram, at HCTVPod, follow along, uh, you know, my, my personal account, at JLang20 on both, you know, subscribe, download, rate, review, share with a friend, you know, I- I'm, I'm really trying to do something here with this, with this podcasting thing, I think it's actually something I'm, I'm, halfway decent at and I've got like no self-esteem so um you know figure I might as well do the one thing I'm good at um I'm, I'm writing blogs how can this be dot blog tune in go read some of my shit I write interesting stuff something for everybody here in, in Lang world so but yeah like I said thanks for tuning in you know see you uh see you next week bye